You're listening to The Monica Cade Show, an interview podcast series on life. We interview and capture conversations with creative minds, thought leaders, disruptors, and the people that are doing what they love while challenging the status quo. You can find the show notes on my website, monicacade.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook, at Monica Cade. But for now, let's dive into the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monica Cade podcast. Today I'm chatting to Kim Churchill, who is an Australian folk, rock and blues singer, songwriter and musician. He has released six albums and his journey into music is a fascinating one. And what I love most about Kim is his tenacity and determination to continue on his path even when the going gets tough. And I can say at 27 years old, he's a very intuitive and insightful young man. Today you'll get to witness some of that wisdom. So sit back and let's find out more. Hello, Kim. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Monica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. For some of our listeners who might not be familiar with your music, I was wondering if you could maybe take us back to the early beginnings of when you found yourself being drawn to music. Yeah, sure. I was, my mum was such a sweet lady. She brought a guitar home one day. I was maybe five years old, I think. And she was getting lessons herself. She was learning and she would come home after she got the lesson uh, and she would give me the same lesson. And for some reason, I just really took to it. Uh, I'm not sure why. It's hard to tell, I think, with kids that age why they might become passionate about some one thing and, you know, kind of dig their heels in about doing another thing. But for whatever reason, in my early life, I kind of really got passionate about guitar playing and being, you know, the kid who played guitar and, and all of that. And it, it sort of sort of grew into this beautiful, oblivious kind of attitude that one day I would just be a professional guitar player. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I, when I was sort of 12 or 13, I noticed that all my friends were kind of, we did this thing in school where everybody wrote down what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I guess when you're sort of six or seven, it's astronauts and, you know, firemen and and kind of veterinarians and all of those sort of jobs that kids kind of dream about. But mm. when I was 12 or 13, I noticed all my friends were like electrician, um, chippy, uh, <laughs> chef. And, and I mean, that's fine. Those are really important jobs. But I think for me as a, as a very early teenager, I was kind of shocked that there weren't more people kind of going for, I don't know, sort of, things that they dreamt about from when they were younger because I was still just sort of and I wondered whether I wasn't being a bit silly but then you know I just kind of sat with that dream and and when I got a little bit older I I, I played classical guitar for a long time and that kind of served a nice purpose because I was just growing uh through the classical guitar grades mm. I was sort of grade it and just taking different exams and then I started busking when I was about 16 and yeah, when I, I finished high school and I left in a in the back of a camper van and just started playing folk, you know, little folk festivals. I was busking a lot, weddings, kind of any, anywhere that would have me, I would play. I was because I had done this nomadic thing in the back of the van. I could kind of be anywhere, you know. I was quite young, so I'd drive like seventeen hours straight to get from one gig to another if I had to, if I was excited about the gig opportunity. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. Over a few years, I won some competitions and played some larger festivals and got a manager and a booking agent and 
started doing a similar thing in Canada. I bought a camper van in Canada and um, I was still busking a lot. Busking was great because it kind of funded the whole thing and gave me a chance to practice and work on new songs for hours on end. Um, and then I did the same thing in Europe again and I got a van there and for a while there I had three vans, one in North America, one in Europe and one in Australia. Um, and yeah, I kind of built it up from there. I, I guess the music's not quite as um, raw and sort of bluesy as it used to be um, and that's just been a, because of the process of me, I guess, discovering lots of different kinds of music and, and wanting to experiment with lots of different sounds and stuff like that but it's just been a a quite nice sort of, I guess, blossoming process from from when I was five years old. That's amazing. And so have your your friends and your family been really supportive along the journey? Yeah, um, my friends not so much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love my, my friends, but especially the friends I had when I was growing up, mm. living in a small town, because I come from a little town called Marimbula down on the far south coast, and in a small Australian town people aren't incredibly supportive of somebody trying to do something different. Mm. And I think that's indicative in that moment when I saw that a lot of my friends were sort of going for chippy and, and, you know, kind of um, cabinet maker and things like that, because that was at that point what they'd realised the older kids, you know, that we were looking up to, that's what they were doing. Everybody would sort of follow a similar path. So I think a lot of people, a lot of my friends and people my age in Marimbula were, kind of confused about what the hell I was trying to do and I wasn't very good in the beginning um I was always kind of my ambition and my my tenacity to achieve sort of you know my dream was always a few steps ahead of my ability mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I was I was I wasn't great at the beginning and I was kind of talking little pubs into letting me play and and um so you know my friends kind of saw this stage of it that was like Oh, he kind of sounds really shit. <laughs> and and uh, what is he doing? God, he can't sing, can he? And, and, and it was embarrassing for them, I think. They were a little embarrassed on my behalf, and I had to sort of fight through that that embarrassment. And um, and I don't, I don't blame them in any way. I think I would have reacted the same, you know, had I not been doing it. I think it's, it's, a, it's one of those character traits of, of the sort of rural Australian culture. Yeah. Um, my parents were really, really supportive. Um, my dad kind of wanted me to go through the conservatorium and do the classical thing, but I was, I, I made a heap of money a couple of weekends in a row busking. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was really not much dad could say at that point, you know, because it was like, well, he's, he's making more, you know, in a morning than, than I can make in a week. And dad's, dad's a, well-qualified trained psychologist so it was like (laughs) at that point I was kind of like well dad you know I can just kind of do this and money wise and you know kind of uh in terms of my happiness I feel very fulfilled and he was like well that's fair enough that's kind of ridiculous that you can do that and good for you do what you want sort of thing and and it all happened I I had my career up and running quite quickly which was nice and and Dad was really supportive of the, even when I decided not to go to the conservatorium and things like that. He was he was supportive. I mean, my parents were quite amazing about it. So I was very lucky in that regard. Yeah, that's awesome. 
how, have you ever, cause I'm interested in like your mindset through this process, you know, like having people around you, your friends at that particular time that maybe weren't so super supportive, but obviously you had like the guts to really go after and believe in yourself. Did you have moments of self-doubt and, and questioning yourself? Oh, so many. Yeah, I was thinking as I was talking the last 10 minutes, it sounds like it was all very, very <laughs> easy and blessed. And you know what? I was really blessed. And I don't underestimate the effect that um, supportive kind of, um, you know, upper middle class parents uh, and a sort of gentle small music scene, I don't underestimate the, the amount that had an impact and allowed me to do what I wanted to do. But um, I think the thing was when I was from about 17 to 20, 17 to 20, um, I was creating this reality around me, which was, I was just manifesting this, this reality that was me just kind of, you know, becoming a star. Mm. And, um, and I think I was oblivious to so many realities of, of, of the world, uh, the hard work, the importance of failure, um, and the, the the I had no understanding of what failure was because I felt um, kind of rightly so, like everything was being sort of laid out on a platter for me. Mm. Um, so when I was about twenty, I started to have these kind of I guess twenty year old sort of realizations, kind of going, oh, hang on, that band in Canada that were recording demos when I was there, they're getting really really successful now, and and. Uh, I haven't been able to get any good gigs in a couple of months and like, oh God, you know, that. And, and I started to notice that that I wasn't just on this amazing sort of, you know, the whole world revolves around me sort of superstar trajectory. Mm. Um, and I started having to work really hard and I had different kind of egoic resistances to things not going the way I wanted. Um, I was partying a lot being 20 and getting to travel the world playing music, you know, there's a lot of vices you can fall into and a lot of behaviours that are not conducive to being good at, at, at your craft. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, sort of I'm 27 now, so since since that time um, I'm consistently met with, with failure and challenges. Um, I'm also met with successes and, and uh, being able to do things well or having having what one might say is sort of small victories or large victories or whatever, but it all happens. Um, you know, it all, it all just happens. So yeah, failure and challenges and self doubt. That's something that I've learned to not live with because I don't think it should be such a negative thing. You know, I think that, um, that's a small amount of self doubt can be positive in the fact that it keeps you working hard and it stops you from thinking that uh, it stops you from being complacent and similarly I mean none of us can get anywhere without failing mm. um, it hurts and it's hard to accept but I've sort of begun to learn as well that normally the best things that I'm capable of doing happen directly after a large failure mm-hmm. um, and so yeah that, that and it's been it's challenge it's really hard to fail i think it's um it's a hard process because there's no way even with the consciousness that failing is going to be good because of what you will learn and even with the understanding that i'll probably write you know um i'll probably write my best song just after an album's completely flopped 
um, you still can't go into that album process without putting your entire heart and soul into it. And so it's, it's, um, I think it's something that you just got to cop. Yeah. What would you say is the hardest part of putting an album together? Um, I think the hardest part of putting the album together is probably coming to a conclusion that it's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that, and it, to be honest, it's never really finished. I know a lot of record label A&Rs would cringe at hearing an artist say that an album's never really finished, mm-hmm. but it kind of isn't. It just gets to a point where you sort of say, oh, I'm just going to stop this process now because I could do this forever. Um, so I think making that decision, that's one of the most challenging parts because then you're really making the decision to allow the rest of the world, whoever might be interested, to hear it. And and that's terrifying because you sort of have all of these um, almost like kind of parental worries about uh, is the music ready, is it going to stand up against this and that, is, are people going to like it, are people going to hate it, is it going to have success, is is the next two years going to be an economic struggle or, or kind of going to be all of this, you know, wonderful sort of, ease within my career and and all of those worries and fears um you need to put them aside and just put the damn thing out I think that's the hardest bit Mm. I think a lot of creative people have that issue as well in lots of different industries you know you create something and then you're like oh it's not ready it's not ready it's not ready and you know we could say that for the rest of our lives but yeah and I I can understand it would be a bit of a leap it's very I think it's a very vulnerable process like the creative process you know you're putting yourself out there and you're like okay here we go Mm -hmm. and and allowing people to you know into your heart really Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, it, you're right, it does happen for every creative person. Um, and not only that, I think it's hard to differentiate between creativity and life, you know. Mm-hmm. When, when, a, when, a pers- when a 19-year-old chooses a university degree, that is a creative process and that is a life decision and that comes with the same challenge and, and fears and worries and am I going to make a good social worker? I don't know but I've got to pick this course and, and just see it through. I think it's one, it's one of the more difficult things in life is, you know, kind of making those larger decisions and those leaps of faith um, and, and being at ease with the amount of preparation or consideration that you put into the whole thing. Mm, absolutely. Now, on your website, in your bio, you have a beautiful quote, which I'll just share with our audience first. Uh, You said, I want to become a figure in the world that helps people see that it's all okay and the world is what it is, the best and the worst parts of it. So I wanted to ask you, has music been a catalyst to help you in your own way see that it's all okay? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a wonderful lyric on the new Ben Howard album that says the world is always at ease. Mm. Um, And that, I mean, especially from from a white man born into a uh, a, a relatively well-off country, one of the best, most safest countries in the world. It's it's a little bit condescending to say something like that. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I, I I feel that even when sort of everything is going wrong, the world is kind of at ease. It's all just sort of happening, mm. um, and it all happens without 
without a hitch, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the nice people, the nasty people, it all just goes down on a day-to-day basis. And I think that, you know, there's all those kind of ideas about, like, if there was no darkness, we wouldn't understand what light is and, mm. and all of those kind of a bit cliche. But I think that essentially the, the world is made up of good stuff and bad stuff and everything in between. And and it's only our judgment of, of it all that makes it good or bad. Um, essentially it's all just going to happen and our lives are going to unfold, um, you know, with a, with a, a, a massive mixed platter of different emotions and experiences. Um, and I think that music is an opportunity to kind of put a soundtrack to the whole thing, you know, it sort of helps you see your life as a film with ups and downs and positive moments and negative moments and complications. And, and I think music kind of can give you that, that internal feeling of catharsis of, of sort of that it's all, it's all worth it. Life is sort of worth it for the good and the bad, the struggles and the, the sort of easy times. And I like that music can give people that internal sense of catharsis and that kind of almost like peace. You know, if, if I put on a, an album and go for a walk um, I have this weird sense of peace. Uh, the music and the, I guess, the visual stimulus kind of make me feel as though I'm just a character in, in my own little film, you know. Mm. And um, <laughs> maybe it's sort of that Hollywood idea that most films end with happy with happy things. <laughs> yeah. And maybe I'm just tricking myself with music, but fuck, even if it's a trick, you know, you might as well be calm and at ease for this wacky wacky thing that we sort of do yeah it's interesting talking to you it sounds like you're very I guess self-aware and connected to you know your and how you perceive yourself in the world I'm curious to know do you feel that you've been this way since you were young or do you feel like because of what you do you're forced to tune into yourself a little bit more than maybe an average person? Um, I think I'm quite a scared person, actually. I get quite quite afraid of, you know, what what the world could do to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that anxiety has led me to have to really wrap my head around, you know, really get a what I'd like to think is a sort of a, a, a reasonably strong emotional intelligence and understanding um, and it's sort of a, I don't know if you call it like a self-esteem or a self-awareness, but I think that, yeah, I mean, doing stuff like this, like talking on podcasts and stuff, that kind of helps you arrange your thoughts and your feelings about who you are in the world and what you do. Um, creating music is, is essentially sort of channeling your feelings and emotions in, an, in, in the most honest way you can. Mm. So I guess it, it is part of the job to to understand how you're feeling on a really deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you're lying to yourself in any way, it will be reflected in the songs that you write, um, whether it's a small thing or a large thing. And and I've always try, kind of strive to make honest music, you know, sort of stuff like Neil Young used to make, mm. or does make, I should say, like, and so, yeah, I think it's both. I think part, part of it is, is me understanding how afraid I am of, of what the world can do to me uh, and having a profession that kind of asks me to go 
sort of quite deep into my own feelings and, and my own understanding of who I am and, 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 you know, kind of spit it out onto the page in a way that's accurate. Mm. Now, you've also played at many festivals and events. I'd like to know what's the thing that you love most about performing to a live audience? Well, there's this kind of feeling that you get. There's this wonderful kind of collective consciousness that forms um, that every gig I've ever done has had a different feeling. I guess you could use the word vibe. Um, and I, and as, you know, as a listener of music as well, when I'm in the room and somebody else is playing, you know, there's a vibe as well, and I think that's why people go to music. And normally the vibe's good, but it can be anything. It can be all kinds of different different feelings and emotions. And, and that ha- having a little bit of control over what that vibe is mm. um, and, and being able to create an atmosphere of, of joy and excitement and, and a collective sort of rush of, of feeling and energy and emotion um, you know, with 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 an audience and a, and a large amount of people, that's like it's a great feeling. I really normally I'm too deep in it to even realize I'm feeling it. Mm. Uh, it took me years to understand what it was, and I, it's weird the ways it manifests that feeling for me. Understanding it, I would come off stage, and if backstage there was like food platters and stuff, mm. I would just without even thinking about, it, I would start eating anything and everything I could find or I would start drinking um you know beer after beer or whatever because there's this sort of high there's this feeling that's inside of you that that you walk off stage and and it stops you know Mm. or at least the feeling doesn't stop but the 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 reason for it is gone and that feeling begins to peter out Mm. and uh and that was the first time I started to realize the enormity of the effect that going through that process with a live audience would have on me mm. um and I, that's the best thing i mean it's such an amazing feeling it can it can essentially as long as you have a lot of gigs it can be like a healthy vice mm. you know um it can it's 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 like a drug that has a positive effect mm. i i always wonder because when you know i go to a concert or listen to a, you know live music i know how i feel obviously and I'm very impacted by the person on stage. But then I also think, you know, the person on stage, it must be such an incredible feeling like having this room full of people all just being so completely moved by your sound. And I, it sounds very, very cool. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. it's very nice. I mean, it's terrifying as well. And <laughs> like gigs go bad. <laughs> and that's that's a really hard feeling to stomach. I remember having some enormous emotion, emotional re- reactions backstage after a bad gig, mm-hmm. um, anger and frustration. And, and, uh, before I understood that as well, I, my mind would latch onto some reason that it happened, you know, and, and if the, if the reason involved a person then I would be angry at them. Mm-hmm. And if, if it involved a, a piece of technology or a guitar or a, a pedal or something, I would personify the pedal or the guitar and I would be angry at it. <laughs> um, so it can go bad. And when it's bad, I guess you sort of, you ever have like that dream of being in front of an audience and being naked or something or those kind of public embarrassment sort of dreams or moments. It sort of feels like that, even though it's 
it's really not because most people, even if deep down they're like, well, I didn't really love that gig, most people will be like, that was a good time. You know, I'd had a few drinks and then the music was good, the, the performer was good at what they did. and yeah. So, yeah, but it is, in, in, in general, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a, it's a beautiful feeling that, that can kind of get exhausting after 30 nights in a row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a beautiful feeling. Yeah. I can imagine it take requires a lot of energy as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard to come down. I guess that's what I was saying before about the food and the drink and stuff. It's really hard to come down out of a gig. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know that none of none of that. I mean, that, they're all basically sort of positive things that mm. that um, just have their own nuances. Yeah. Very cool. So before we finish off our interview, I've got some signature questions that I ask everybody. Okay. All right. So this one's funny because you you touched on this earlier in our conversation. So the question is, what are you afraid of? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? I think for me, what I'm really, really afraid of is sort of stagnating, feeling like I'm not journeying somewhere, feeling as though I've just sort of stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, And that feeling terrifies me. It's It's a thing that kind of manifests itself in my life in all kinds of ways, whether I'm afraid of, you know, getting married and buying a house or whether I'm afraid of uh, sort of not always moving, not always going to the next town. But I think my biggest fear is to have got to a point where I'm like, this is it. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Okay, cool. Next question. If you could attempt a different career, what would it be? Um. I think I think I would really enjoy being a real estate agent. Ooh, <laughs> I think different. I'd enjoy the the social aspect of it. Um, I'd love to sell property to people. Yeah. I think properties are just beautiful, and houses are beautiful, and there's so many amazing, talented people that go into building a property. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to I'd love to sell them to people. I think I'd be good at that. Um, mm. You know, I'd probably, if, if my music career really took a dove and I had really considered getting another job, I'd probably be very resistant and upset about it. But I think in a, in a parallel universe somewhere, I'd probably be a, be a real estate agent. Awesome. I love that. I love the, uh, how it was quite different. When I ask people this question, sometimes their answers can be quite similar to what they're doing. You know, it's still in the creative field, but I love how, you know, this is on a completely different (laughs) spectrum to what you're doing now. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I've got a few friends that are real estate agents. I've got one friend who's a real estate agent. And uh, it just suits him. It suits him so well. Yeah. And I just sort of feel like it might might suit me. <laughs> well, you never know. In another lifetime, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To you, what what is a day well spent? Um, it would involve a lot of laughter, surfing. It wouldn't have to have a gig. Uh, it could just music. Mm. Some kind of music. Some kind of appreciation of music or performing of music um probably cooking something nice i really love cooking Mm -hmm. um and a little bit of meditation and yoga something for my mind something that puts me at ease um that that would be a really an ideal day you know um yeah that's got all the bits that i like in it 
Oh, that sounds like a delightful day. I I like that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got, got, got a bunch of good stuff in it. Mm. Okay, so I've got last question. I've never asked this question to anyone. It's not very hard, but I figured because you do love the surf and the beach, I, I thought I'd ask you. Hit me. Sunrise <laughs> or sunset? Ooh, I am going to go with sunrise. I think... When I was younger, I was up every morning for it, and I was always surfing as the sun came up or busking at market. I would arrive at markets before the sun came up and set up my stuff. I'd be busking by 6.30 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love sunrise, but touring and playing music, it's not very conducive to seeing the sunrise because you're up until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. or something. Yeah. So I don't see it very often. So now most of my great memories and most of my great moments are around sunset. Um but that's only made me love and idolise the sunrise even more. So I'm very much sunrise for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was a real pleasure getting to know you uh, a little bit more. Thanks for having me, Monica. I appreciate it.